Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. By the way, I'm John, uh, with Louise, we're the pastors here at One Church in Gloucester, and uh, you have joined us today, in case this is your first Sunday with us, we've not been for a while, uh, as we talk about this theme which we are calling Our House. And in the Our House theme, we're asking this question of every single one of us, uh, the, the question is this, what wisdom are you building your house on, and are we building the house that we want to live in? Are we building the house that we want to live in. And this is, I don't just mean like the house with the bricks and stuff that you're living in, but like what values and beliefs and even culture are you building your family around, your businesses around, your friendships and relationships and your marriages around? What things are we building this church on even? And are we building the kind of house that we want to live in? And what we've discovered so far on this, on this journey through the subject is this, that if we're not building that, somebody else is. If you don't build your life around the values that you want, you will end up living in somebody else's values and somebody else's culture. So we've been taking this journey to explore a few different things around this. And it all comes from uh, this proverb. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 2 to 3. And it says this. This is how you build, okay? This is how you build the kind of house that you want to live in. It says, by wisdom, a house is built through understanding. It is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful things. There's a lot going on. But we want the wisdom that's necessary to build the kind of houses that we want to live in. And remember, I'm not talking about having three like, kitchens and two swimming pools. It's at, when we talk about our houses, we're talking about the lives that we are living and the lives that we're building for one another. Okay? So then Nave spoke a couple of weeks ago on this house. So both the houses that we encouraging one another to build our family values, but also the house like this house, like the church family, well, this is going to be a house of forgiveness. And, and here's how you build a house of forgiveness. If you, it's by understanding how much you have been forgiven. Because if you feel like you've only needed to be forgiven a little bit, then you will, only, you will only extend a little bit of forgiveness to someone else and we'll judge others far easier. And we'll start saying things like, oh, you can come in today, but as long as you leave your shoes off at the door in the foyer, and don't bring in anything that you've been carrying over the last week or so. But when we realise how much we have all been forgiven, every one of us needs the forgiveness of God, we're far more likely to extend that level of forgiveness. And we can say that we want to be a house of forgiveness, which means it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from, what your history has been, you are totally welcome in this place because you need forgiveness, I need forgiveness, and we have that in common, not that in separation, right? So that's what it means to be a house of forgiveness. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a house of authenticity, a house of authenticity. Now we've all, many of us will have been on holiday and you've maybe been to one of these holiday destinations where there's like a market nearby or you're just chilling on the beach and somebody comes down the beach and they're, they're selling a few things and, and you have a little glance, you have a little look at what they're selling and you can't believe your eyes because what they are selling is a Rolex watch and it's only five euros. 
you can't believe it. This can't be true. A Rolex watch for five euros? No way. And you look at it and it, it looks authentic and it looks genuine. It spells Rolex correctly. It feels good. It like smells good. It's like a, yeah, this is getting you. So you buy a Rolex watch for five euros and then you get home and within four days of being home, the battery dies. So you open the back of the watch to see, change the battery and everything falls out of the watch. And you realise something that you probably knew all along. This is not an authentic Rolex watch. Now whether you've been on holiday or maybe you've sat there scrolling through Facebook Marketplace and you see, a, you cannot believe something can be that, that, uh, that cheap for what it is. It's probably not, right? And we kind of know, but then we think, but maybe it is. And sometimes we go for it, sometimes we don't. I mean, I had a quick look to see what kind of fake stuff you can buy, how easy it is to buy fake stuff. Uh, like just from a quick Google search, here's a few examples. Uh, I found this Gucci t-shirt, which doesn't have a G at the start, it's an H, so that's a Hoochie shirt. <laughs> yeah, first glance, it looks right, it's the logo, it's the colours, but it definitely says Hoochie and not Gucci. At the top you see like an Adidas logo, except there's not three stripes, there's four. And instead of Adidas, it says Adidas. <laughs> Maybe, you can, uh, maybe I can tempt you with a pair of uh, Nike flip-flops from uh, the UEFA 2008 tournament, uh, but they've spelt Nike wrong. It's N-K-I-E. They're trying to get away with that. My favourite one is the one on the far right. On the far right is a sky-blue football shirt with Etihad Airways on the front. Now, anybody recognise which team has sky-blue with Etihad Airways? Manchester City, thank you. The badge on this Manchester City shirt is a Manchester United badge. They have, put, they have combined the two worst op opposites on one shirt. It's clearly, clearly a fake, right? There is nothing authentic about this. And we, can't, we, we can look at these things and go, what's the opposite of authentic? There's nothing authentic about those products. There's nothing authentic about that. What's the opposite of authentic? Well, sometimes we say the opposite of authentic is fake. Like those things, that they are fake. But in the passage we're going to read from James chapter 1, which is actually an insight into the whole book of James, we're going to see that the opposite of authentic isn't always fake. Sometimes, and this is more like how we live our lives, the opposite of authentic is synthetic. It's synthetic. Now, synthetic means a blend of two or more things coming together to make something else. And we don't like fake people, do we? And we would hate to be called fake by somebody else. But it's so much easier to be living a synthetic life, and especially a synthetic faith, than it is to live an authentic one. We might not be living a fake life, but I'm sure there are ways in which we are living a synthetic one. Uh, Chris and I were in a shopping mall in America, and I had this phase, it only lasted about three weeks, that I was convinced I needed and wanted and would look awesome in a leather jacket. I was, I was convinced that's what I needed, that was what I was going to do, and I couldn't believe it because we were in the shopping mall and someone's handing out flyers. There was like a leather goods store closing down like 75% off everything in store. I could not believe my luck. The Lord was providing. So we go into this, go into this store, and it was like the prices were amazing. And I saw this jacket, and I was like, oh, it, it, it looks like leather, and it smells like leather. It felt like leather, but I couldn't work out why it was so cheap, even with the store discount that was offered. And I looked at the label, and it said, 
genuine, authentic, synthetic leather. There's <laughs> a paradox. You can't have both of those things in the same place. And here's, here's what we're going to look at from James chapter 1. Because he is trying to help people like you and me. And this is going to help us, even if you're not a Christian here today, this is going to help us live a life that isn't synthetic, a, a combination, a concoction of a number of different things, and instead find out how you and I can live a more authentic life. Right? So we're going to read this. If you have a Bible, just uh, turn it to, or if you've got the Bible app, just open it at James chapter 1. And what we're going to see here is his, uh, some of his opening remarks. Now, if you've read the bit of the New Testament before, you might know lots of the New Testament is letters. Letters to different churches facing incredible amounts of persecution, sometimes uh, from, where they, from the region they were in. Often the persecution was coming from the oppression of the Roman Empire. Uh, the book of James isn't a letter. Instead, it's a collection of proverbs, of wise sayings that somebody's writing to an audience that he expects are Christians trying to live out their faith, but in living in such compromise, instead of an authentic faith, they're living a synthetic faith. All right? So imagine that. Imagine a world where Christians are trying to live in. There's no serious oppression upon their faith by the state that they live in. But instead, the main challenge that Christians face is a, uh, trying to live an authentic life, not a synthetic one. I don't know if you have to concentrate too hard to imagine what kind of era that might apply to. Just waiting for the penny to drop. Right, so this is relevant for us, right? So here we go. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom... Right, wisdom is what we're after, remember? By wisdom, a house is built. And by God's wisdom, it's what we're looking for in a faith context. Ask for God's wisdom and you can build your life, build an authentic life. So if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. These are some quite strong words, aren't they? If you want, if you want wisdom, if you want the wisdom that it takes, to build an authentic house in your life, in your family, in, in your church, in your ministry. If you, want to, if you want that wisdom, just ask and he'll give it to you. But the key is this, if you're going to ask, you cannot ask with any doubt at all. Now here's what's interesting. We would take doubt as a, uh, a word to explain the absence of faith. But the usage here is re repeated in that last line because it means being double-minded. It's hedging your bets. It's ask God... But if you're also asking three other people and relying on ten other things, if you're hedging your bets, if you're putting half your money on black, half the money on red before spinning the wheel, it says don't expect to receive anything back. It's only when you can ask all in of God that you would expect to receive the kind of wisdom it's going to take to build an authentic life, an authentic house. And the rest of the book of James, okay, so you might want to use this as some of your personal study, that the rest of the book of James contains 12 sayings, 12 lessons in what it means to not be two-minded or double-minded or not to hedge your bets on things, but how do you live a life that's authentic and is all in on one thing? That's what he's trying to teach us, what he's trying to show us. And the key is this, don't be two-minded, be single-minded when you ask God for this wisdom. Now, why don't we do this? 
why, what, this sounds easy. It's literally just going like, if you need wisdom, just ask God. Signed, sealed, delivered, in your pocket, away you go. Well, the reason we don't do this is because for most of us, we spend years building a synthetic approach to life. And the synthetic life is one that is some distance away from your authentic life. Or let me use a different phrase, from your true self. God knows your true self. He knows it. He knows your true self. And it's only when you discover your true self can you really find freedom in this life. Only when you find your true self will you really find freedom in this life. But this is why it's so hard. Because we are conditioned to find ways to build synthetically rather than authentically. Let me help you show you what this looks like. Nave, can I borrow you a second? And uh, come and sit on this, this stool for me on, over on that side. And uh, this, this is what it looks like. Okay, so um, this is how easy it is to become synthetic in our living. Let's say you go to a, a famous pizza restaurant for lunch this afternoon. You order a pizza, but you're being smart. You see, you've not ordered, the, the, you've not ordered like a big pizza. You've ordered the one where they cut out all the toppings in the middle and replace it with salad. If you want pizza, have pizza. Um, that aside, you're being good, Nate. See, you've ordered the pizza, they've cut the good stuff out and replaced it with green stuff, and you're eating this salad pizza, and, uh, and then what happens is this, that everybody else around the table has ordered their food, and you've eaten your, you've finished your pizza, and, and the waiter, just waiting for the right moment, he's waiting until this moment that you've finished your meal, and your body just started to digest it, and then your brain's going, now it's time to meet my sugar craving. And the waiter knows, so he comes over just at the right time. We say, he says, would, um, would you like to look at the dessert menu, sir? Like, do you know what? I really would, but we don't say that we definitely would. We say like, oh, I'll just have a look. I'll just have a look at the dessert menu. Then what happens is we get the dessert menu, have a look at it. And, and then this is what's going on. Greg, come and sit on this one for me. Help me out. Here's what goes right. So... We sit there looking at the dessert menu, and what does our brain tell us? Right? Our brain's telling us, don't have dessert. Right? Dessert's not good for you. There is no scientific study and no biblical truth to help you, help you know that the more dessert you eat, the longer life you're going to live. All right? Neither is it going to say the more dessert you eat, the thinner your waistline's going to be, the healthier you're going to be. We all know this, don't we? But dessert's good, though, isn't it? I mean, come on. I mean, the Lord made desserts so that the meal would be complete, right? So we, but here's what's going on, right? We have this in our, this belief that desserts are not going to extend my life, it'll only extend my waistline, right? So we have this thing, so, so this belief that like I want to try and be healthy, and then what happens is we go, oh, go on then, and we end up ordering the largest piece of cheesecake we've ever had in our life. Now, two things are happening at the same time in the same person, okay? Greg, can you start eating a cheesecake for me, please? And just let us know what that would feel like in you. And so we've got, your belief maintains that cheesecake is not going to be good for you. <laughs> you think he's joking. That is his genuine enjoyment of a cheesecake face. I've, I've seen it before. Yet we are, at the same time, enjoying the dessert. We're enjoying the things. Can you see what's going on? We have a belief 
in something and simultaneously hold a behaviour that's in complete contradiction to the belief that we have. All right? Well, let's, let's say it's something more uh, habitual. Like, let's say you want to give up smoking. So you have this belief, smoking isn't been good for me. I, I, it's an addiction I have. It's a habit that I want to break. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out smoking. It's a, a belief that you have. Yet the behaviour really struggles to come in line with the belief. Because the behaviour keeps... We've got these two things going on at the same time. Now, of course, what that creates is a thing called dissonance. Right, but that, so the one word for it is dissonance. The other way of explaining it is what James is trying to help us. He's saying if you're going to try and go at something, if you're trying to, going to try and live authentically, you can't have two opposing things living at the same time. You can't have uh, sometimes, so elsewhere in the book of James, you can't have some moments where your yes means yes and other times when your yes means no. Uh, you can't have faith without works because faith without works is dead. So you can't, ha- you can't praise God with your tongue in one moment and then call someone a muppet in the next moment. These things can't exist in the same space because when they do, they create this gap And the gap is within ourselves. And something fills the gap, and the thing that fills the gap is called anxiety. So we end up living anxiously because we have two opposing beliefs and behaviours going on at the same time in our life. And then James is like, so when you're going to ask God, which one of you is asking God? Which one of you is asking God for wisdom? Is Is it your true self? Or is it... A synthetic concoction of all these competing beliefs and behaviours that are going on in your life. As I'm speaking, I know you're thinking of behaviours that you have that are in contradiction to beliefs that you own. And here's why. In almost every example, in almost every example of this, where a behaviour contradicts a belief, in almost every single time, this isn't just biblical truth, this is true of all of us, whenever there's a contradiction going on between belief and behaviour, we always take the easy way out, because the anxiety needs to be resolved within us. And to resolve anxiety, this is what we do, we take the easy way, and actually it's easy for us to maintain the behaviour than it is for us to hold on to our belief. So now, how many of us hold behaviours and we've given up on the belief because it was easier to stick to the behaviour than it was to stick to your belief? James is telling us, if you want to have an authentic house, and whether that house is a church, whether that house is your life, your marriage, your family, your business, your relationships... We can't keep creating more versions of ourselves because we are not going to be able to have an authentic self. Do you even know who your true self is anymore? <laughs> Happens in other ways. Uh, and Instagram's a really good example of this. If you're not familiar with what Instagram is, a social media platform of which you post photos and videos, and in response, people say, I like that. Now, Pretty much three quarters of the world are on Facebook. So it's a really similar, uh, similar thing to Facebook, except on Instagram, these likes are represented in a really nice hearts. Isn't that nice? Oh, some of you not had enough hearts in your life? <laughs> right. So um, here's what happens. We, uh, we go on uh, Instagram and we post a photo. Okay? Now, Nate's been a youth leader in this church since 1981. <laughs> and uh, 2001? Long time, all right? 
It's nice to meet you. Great. Oh, quality youth leader. Outstanding leader. He knows he's called to youth ministry, so he d- does it with all his passion. He and Lauren do that. Uh, oversee all the youth stuff that happens here and actually across all the different One Church locations. They're good at it. They're called to it. This is their belief, their conviction. This is what they're in. And uh, so let's say Nath posts a photo of something going on at youth. Maybe, maybe someone's taking it of him and he's doing like an amazing message or just having a load of fun and someone captures that moment and Nath posts it to his Instagram uh, account. And what happens is one of you see that late on a Friday night and uh, you give yourself, you give Nath a like. Didn't that stick? In fact, let's be generous. It gets two likes for that. Is that alright? Is that enough? Yeah, okay. So, that, that, let's say this is his true self. It's his belief. It's his calling. It's his conviction. It's what he knows that he knows that he knows that, he's, that is true about himself. It's his true self as God has defined him. He knows that and he poses this thing and then and he starts to like doubt a little bit because he's like, oh, I'm 29 now. Do I still have it? Because like every year I get older but year sevens still always come in at 11 years old and that gap between the youngest young person and me just gets wider and wider. Like, do they see me more as a dad than they do as a youth leader? Am I still, am I still relevant? Am I still, do I still have the references? Do I, am I still able to connect with the youth like I used to? And like, we, this element of doubt comes in. So then what happens? Like some, he decides, right, this week, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to try, try my hardest to connect. And, and what he does is he presents a younger, hairier, cooler, more relevant version of himself. And this picture gets posted the following week on Instagram and you get the young, this version of him knows all the right words, he knows all the cool music that the kids are into nowadays, this, this version rolls up his jeans and like wears ankle socks with pure white trainers. <laughs> this one knows that the room is far too hot for layers, but layers are cooler. <laughs> so he turns up in layers. <laughs> But here's the funny thing, like, he posted, Nath posts a picture of his true self and it got two likes, but this strange thing happens. When he posted this one, see if you can stick to some of them on, they're losing their stickiness. And, uh, he posts this one, and this one got a load of likes. Give yourself a load of likes there, mate. And we're all like liking this. Now, we're not trying to cause a problem for Nath between his true self and the self that he's presented the following week. Um, but we're not trying to do that. But we've just like clicked like. And what's going on in our, in, in our mind in this moment is, hang on a minute, when, when I give my true self, it gets this much affirmation. But when I presented this version of myself, oh my goodness, look at the affirmation it gets me. Now, this is what's going on in your brain at the time, right? Every time someone likes one of your photos, you get a little tiny dopamine hit. Now, Instagram know this. This is just why they hack your brain to maximise this, right? So every time someone likes your picture, you get a little dopamine hit. Dopamine does this thing where your brain goes, oh, that feels nice. And he goes, I want more of that. This is why we get addicted to substances that give us dopamine hits. Because your brain goes, God, that was amazing. I crave more of that. Why would I not want more of that? It makes my brain feel awesome. So we get more and more of that in order to meet the craving that goes on. And, And Instagram know this. They know that the little likes that you get give you a little dopamine hit, which is why they don't deliver the likes when you get them. They deliver them in little bursts because they know a burst of likes gives an exponential result of dopamine in your brain, which makes us more addicted to Instagram. So... I love Instagram. I just want, me, I want us to use it better. So, because this is what happens now. 
the affirmation that comes of our synthetic self builds this self, this other version of ourself, up. So what's going to happen the next time that Nate's got a picture to post? Or the next time he's going to turn up at church? Or the next time he's going to hang out with his friends? Or the next time he's going to turn up, turn up at work and go into his office? Or the next time he's got to think about how he's going to lead his family, which version of himself is he going to present? And remember, this behaviour gets rewarded more than this behaviour does, so this behaviour gets more and more uh, solidified and habitual and becomes the way that we live our life. And all the time we're doing this, we're creating a synthetic faith, a synthetic life, a multiple versions of ourselves. And I've just picked on a couple of different things that do this, but there's so many different ways in which we pick up all these little different bits and threads. And you walk through these doors today to be in a church service and like, did the real you show up today? Because a house of, house of authenticity says this, can be yourself. The real you will be affirmed. The real you gets liked. Forgive us for when we liked a false you because we thought you were presenting yourself, but the real you gets liked as you walk through these doors. That's what it means to be a house of authenticity. A family house of authenticity looks like this, that, that your kids know they can be themselves. And you steer them and you guide them because you're a good parent, but you're encouraging their character, not trying to fix all the mistakes that your parents made in your life. And people of faith trying to be someone else or do something else or be a projection of ourselves that we wish that we were but we're not, what are we doing? It's more hoochie than Gucci and it's a fake Rolex that we realise this is made up of parts that are inauthentic. It's a synthesis of cheapness merged together to try to look real. Now you can read the book of James and see 12 different ways in which people, it's traps, 12 traps really, that we can fall into. But for this morning, let's just work this out. How do we then live an authentic life rather than a synthetic life? How do we have an authentic faith instead of a synthetic faith? And the, the stakes are pretty high, but here's how, how we do it. We ask God, because that's what James told us to do. Ask God for wisdom. This is what we do when we're asking God for wisdom. We ask God for wisdom to say, God, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to experience? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Ask God for his wisdom in the most practical way. Say, God, what do you want me to say? But you can only ask that when your heart is willing to do whatever God says. This is how, this is how we ask without doubting. It's how we ask without doubting. Put that last slide up for me, Ange. This is how we ask without doubting. A house of authenticity, whether that's this church, your family, your marriages, your relationships, the ministry you lead, a house of authenticity is this. It's God's wisdom and a willing heart. If you ask for God's wisdom and you are not willing to do whatever he says in return, we told us, you're going to get nothing in response. But an authentic life says this. All right, God, this is me. This is me. This is me. This version of me. The true me. The one that you made and called and love and, and are totally committed to. This me says this. God, what do you want me to do? And I've already determined whatever you say, I'm going to do it. That's how you ask without any doubt. Yeah. He says, when you do, 
All you've got to do is ask and you'll receive that wisdom so that we can build our life authentically. Here's the, here's the, here's the cost of this. Okay? If, you're a fat, if you're a parent here today, then the stakes are higher than it is if you're on your own. If you're, uh, let's say you're a life group leader or you lead a, a kids team or a youth team or a welcome team or you lead a, some kind of team here in church. Maybe, maybe you're a pastor here and one of the things James says is like anyone that preaches has to, count, has to judge themselves more strictly than anybody that they're talking to. So I hold myself account to this and say, am I living an authentic life? Because if I build a synthetic version of myself, then it no longer just impacts me. As a parent, it's going to impact my kids. As a, as a leader, it's going to impact those that I'm leading. As a pastor, it's going to impact an entire church of people. And they, the cost and the stakes are higher. And yet James seems to think it's so simple, right? And I think it is. It's just, for a lot of us, it's years and years and years of building the synthetic version and allowing the God's grace to say, remember, I love your true self. Remember, the true self is the one that I made. You're the organic you, not the synthetic, overproduced version of you. That's the one I love. And that's the one I want to see grow and change. And Now, one question. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? And in whatever you say, I've already determined. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. And watch what happens to our anxiety when we let go of our false self, synthetic self. Watch what happens to our, uh, uh, our concerns over like, what people think about us. Watch what happens. Watch what happens to like, how you feel when you walk into a place knowing that this is a house of authenticity and I am who I am and you don't have to be perfect to press on because this is where true, our true selves meet with one another and meet with God. And this will be a house of authenticity that welcomes your true self. Just stand with me. And we're going to pray. In fact, I'm going to ask you to pray. Because uh, I'm going to ask you all to pray that prayer of like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to ask you to, to pray that prayer. But you can only pray it, remember. You can only pray that prayer if you can predetermine. You're not hedging your bets. You're not putting half of it on red, half of it on black. You're not keeping your options open. You're going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because when I ha- hear your answer, that's fine. I'm in. All in. All my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. With all that I am, I'm in and I will do what you ask me to do. That's what it means to ask without doubting. And that's what it means to live an authentic life. So the team are going to sing. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer. And you'll find that the words, these are words we sung earlier, are going to be a great response to the prayer that you're just praying to God. So you join that when you're ready. But let's all pray now. God. What do you want me to do? And I know that if I ask without doubting, you'll answer. So to ask without doubting, God, what do you want me to do? Yes. God, what do you want me to do? Yes. I'll do that. I'll start that. I'll change that. I'll grow here. What do you want me to do? Yes. When you're ready to join in, let the team lead you.